When Maddie and I first came up with the idea for this podcast, I had no idea where to start. What platform should I host it on? How do I get us listed or track my statistics? And that's where Buzzsprout came in. Buzzsprout is the trusted host for over 100,000 podcasters, and it was easy to see why. With their directory integrations, it was simple to ensure content being published on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. From day one, I've been so impressed with how easy it was to get set up, and their customer support team has been so quick at getting back to me whenever I had a question or needed help. Not only that, but being able to get a comprehensive list of statistics on our show performance has been a fascinating read. If you're interested in starting a podcast of your own or making the switch to a new provider, please click the link on our show notes and get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan. Bonus, by clicking on our unique URL, you help support our show, which means we'll love you forever. So why not get started today? We did and couldn't be happier. Buzzsprout, the best way to launch a professional podcast. Do it. Hello and welcome to Yule Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangel. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going. Loving this very strange weather. Oh, yes. Will it be 50 degrees? Will it snow? Yeah, it's been really rainy here in Minnesota. All right. So this is our last week of Wicked Mock Madness. Oh, man. So this week, we're going to be learning about Grace Sherwood, a.k.a. the Witch of Pungo. I believe she has a cool name. Pungo. Mm -hmm. Who's that? It's in Virginia. Oh, I was not expecting. That. I know. I know. I thought it was like going to be someplace in like the Caribbean or no, Virginia. Okay. So information for this week's episode was pulled from the following sources. A 2021 Mysterious Universe article by Brent Swanser, a 2021 Colonial Ghost article, Atlas Obscura, Encyclopedia Virginia entry on Grace Sherwood by Monica C. Witkowski, the Fairy Plantation website, Virginia.com, Virginia Museum of History and Culture, Wikipedia, and Wikitree. Wikitree? Yep. I've never heard of that one. That sounds cute. I used it once before. It's really good for genealogy. Nice. Yeah, it kind of helped where Genie.com failed me. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I was like, come on, bro. Bro. Failed you. Wow, that's inspiring. Well, because there was information on genie.com where I was like, that doesn't make any sense according to anything that I'm reading. I call bullshit. I'm going to look somewhere else. And then I looked on there and I was like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Whether that's actually right or not, I don't know because it starts with a wiki, but I'm 99% sure it's right. Wow. It's a very high percentage. Yep. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Awesome. So today's tale is the last of our series of witches, and it takes place in Colonial Virginia at the Fairy Plantation House, which at the time of our story was known as the Princess Anne County Courthouse. Ooh, very swanky sounding. With a name like Princess Anne, you know it's got to be good. Mm -hmm. All of the court cases are fancy. Yeah, wear fancy hats. 
If it ain't fancy. So Grace White Sherwood was born in the Commonwealth of Virginia around 1660 to Father John White, who was a carpenter, and his wife, Susan. Grace married James Sherwood in the spring of 1680 at the age of 20 at the first Linhaven Parish Church. What denomination is that? An Episcopal Church. Ooh, okay. So now I know what we're dealing with. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Got it. Dang. I didn't know. Wow. There were Episcopalian churches back then. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was something else back then, but as of right now, it is Episcopalian. Well, God damn it. Now I got to look again. <laughs> Linhaven takes this name from the Linhaven River, which is famous for its oysters. Aw. Instead of wafers, Jesus's body is an oyster. Gross. That would make more sense biologically, like the texture. Blech. The body of Christ is a Gross. It's a muscle. It all checks out. Falls in your court, Christianity. You gotta change the wafers into oysters. Gross. Oyster flavored wafers. Oh my God. It says it's the oldest Episcopalian church in Virginia. Okay, so it must be one of the first ones then. Wow. I had no idea that the Episcopalians were that old. Yeah, because I'm not seeing anything else that shows that it was something else prior to being an Episcopalian church. And I'm looking on the Genealogy Trails History Group website, and this information was pulled from colonial churches in the original colony of Virginia, 1908. Sounds legitimate. By the Reverend C.B. Bryan, D.D. Yes. <laughs> he was also a dentist. He says, bless you, child, when he's done looking at your teeth. So now that we know it's the oldest Episcopalian church in Virginia. Run by a dentist. Run by a dentist in 1908. <laughs> so James was born sometime in 1659, but I had a hard time finding more information than that. Like there wasn't a whole lot of information about him. But isn't that kind of funny how like for the death and birth dates were it's like oh it's another baby we don't need to write this down (laughs) well and i i'm realizing that there's definitely a cast type thing because he was a farmer so they're like well we got plenty of those do we really need to know when exactly when he was born i don't know yeah it was another one right yeah so he was a year older than her so he would have been 21 when they got married okay which is a little late for that time period it does seem late. Don't they usually marry when they're like 14? Mm-hmm. So she was a spinster. Was it still a spinster then? Isn't it? Oh, yeah, because she's not above a certain age. Yeah, I think it's when it's past 25, but then you're a thorn back. You have them until 25. <laughs> Just like it's all over for you. What if the, it's like rosebud and then suddenly at 25, you're ugly and you're a thorn back? <laughs> You just wake up into like a monster. No one will love me. You have to ring the church bells in the dark (laughs) (laughs) while you expel your sins from your cavities. (laughs) With a lingering taste of oyster. (laughs) The oyster of Christ compels you. That is so gross. (laughs) (laughs) So James was a farmer. And when they married in 1680, Grace's father gave her new husband 50 acres or 20 hectares of land. Dang. Okay. 
And after her father passed the following year in 1681, the Sherwoods mm-hmm. received the remainder of the White estate. Ooh. Grace and her husband were blessed with three sons. James, who was born in 1680. A wedding baby. Ooh. Richard, who was born in 1681. And John, who was born in 1685. The family lived in Pungo, which was a community in lower Norfolk County, which was renamed to Princess Anne County after 1691. Princess Anne got a lot of gifts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you all the stuff that you'll probably never visit. Yep. Unsurprisingly, the Sherwoods were poor. And in 1681, upon the inheritance of the rest of the white property, they now had 145 acres or 59 wow. hectares of land to farm. They lived in a community of small landowners. And in addition to farming, Grace grew herbs that she used to heal people and animals alike. Uh-oh. We got a doctor on our hands. And it might not surprise you to learn that she also worked as a midwife. So of we know where this did. is going. Yeah. Uh, if she only didn't heal animals as well. Yeah. All those clams are her familiars. So Grace was described as tall and attractive. And she even had a sense of humor, if you can believe it. Oh, but she was a woman. Right? She's not supposed to laugh. Oh, no. What the fuck? She's really pretty and tall. Not her laugh. Oh, God. I don't know about it. And at a time when wearing dresses was the only thing afforded them, Grace went against the mold by wearing trousers while working the land on her farm. How dare she try to protect her legs? Right. It didn't help that growing herbs to be used for medicinal purposes was also frowned upon. Yep. 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 Because medicine is the devil. She was also known to sing and talk to animals, which she was particularly fond of. Oh, man. Okay, so, so far, she wears pants, <laughs> she works, she grows herbs, she tries to heal people, and she sings and talks to animals. I would be set on fire the second I stepped onto this plane of existence. Straight <laughs> oh, no. up murdered immediately. You're like, the hills are alive. Immolation. Not not you. (laughs) She literally sounds like every Gen Z ever. Yeah. Just the the annihilation of all Gen Zs. How dare you wear pants and grow herbs? What are you talking to that cat? (laughs) Yeah, well. The trouble started in 1697 when their neighbor, Richard Capps, accused Grace of using witchcraft to kill his bull. Oh, man. Although the courts didn't weigh in on the matter, the Sherwoods took him to court and the matter was settled. And this cycle would unfortunately repeat quite often. I have a feeling this is also a big jealousy over all of their land that they inherited. Quite possibly. Yep, 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 yep. The neighbors would often whisper about how she had a habit of ruining crops, killing livestock, and conjuring storms. Okay, maybe she wasn't the best gardener, okay? You don't have to shame the poor woman. Right. And what if she didn't realize that singing to the animals isn't as good as feeding them? You know, (laughs) things happen. (laughs) The mistakes are made. You're going to eat it anyway. So, fine. 
The following year in 1698, the Sherwoods sued neighbors John and Jane Grisburn and Anthony and Elizabeth Barnes for defamation and slander. The Gisburns claimed that Grace had, quote, bewitched their pigs to death and bewitched their cotton, end quote, while Elizabeth Barnes testified that Grace, quote, came to her one night and rid her and went out of the keyhole or crack of the door like a black cat, end quote. Black cats go through keyholes? Apparently. How big are these keyholes? <laughs> I don't know. So I looked it up and by rid her, she means yeah. that she whipped her. So not nothing sexual. I mean, when I first read that, I was like, what? So she was like assaulting you. But nope, it's whipping. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's still assaulting. It's just not as sexual. It's not as sexy. Mm-hmm. It's just aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> then honestly, the most terrifying thing is a cat going through a keyhole. Yeah. <laughs> get over that. <laughs> I would see that and be like, oh. So unfortunately for the Sherwoods, they lost both cases, which I imagine wouldn't have been cheap because they had to pay for the court costs. Yeah. Well, and they didn't have money per se. They just had land. Mm -hmm. A couple of years later, in August of 1701, James Sherwood died at the age of 42. What? Mm -hmm. Was that more of a common thing then? Is that kind of like old age for the six, mm. 1600s, like middle late age maybe middle to late because i feel like a lot mm -hmm. of them died around their like in their 60s or 70s okay so still that's still considered early then mm -hmm. okay grace never remarried and went on to raise their sons oh. on her own after she inherited the property upon her husband's passing uh oh not a woman with pants that owns land now right blasphemy in 1705, Grace sued Luke and Elizabeth Hill for assault and battery, and she actually won. She was able to claim 20 pounds sterling in damages, which would be a little over 4,800 pounds today. Nice. It was after this loss that the Hills seemed to have a personal vendetta against Grace. No, that doesn't happen after legal proceedings go a certain way. Nope. Mm -mm. Many believe it had to do with the fact that she owned so much land, which wouldn't be surprising given that she was also a woman. Yep. Like you said, ding, ding, ding. Yep, yep, yep. Called it. The Hills attempted to take Grace to court several times for committing witchcraft, but weren't successful until February 3rd, 1706, when they claimed that she bewitched Elizabeth and caused her to miscarry. Mm. The court needed proof and a panel was brought forth to search Grace's home for waxen or baked figures. So like, you know, voodoo doll type things or okay. stuff like that. Something she would have used to like bewitch her. Okay. While a second panel of 12, quote, ancient and knowing, unquote, women were assembled in March to look for devil's marks on Grace's body. Mm -hmm. I like how everywhere it is. The only thing I can picture for ancient and knowing women are those three like oracles from the movie Hercules <laughs> that Cher and I multiply them by four. And that was the people yeah. that like were searching her for devil's marks. And they're like, take off your clothes. <laughs> like, no, take off your pants, dearie. You have demon marks. And she's like, I'm okay. I just really like my pants. <laughs> that time, devil's marks could be freckles, moles, scars, left-handedness, red hair, birthmarks, calluses, and rashes. I'd be so dead. Like, mm -hmm. there's not, I would, I would step on this plane and instantly get murdered. <laughs> yeah. 
There's just no way. Uh, I have five of those, so I'd be soup dead. Man, getting probably put on fire. Panel of twelve found quote two things like tits on her private parts of a black color end quote, which proved that she had made a contract with the devil. And the person who was the forewoman and leader of this little mark hunting group, Elizabeth fucking Hill herself. Make sense. Make sense. Unlike in other colonies, such as Salem, the courts in Virginia needed solid evidence to prove the guilt of a supposed witch. The courts didn't have members of the clergy take an active role in the proceedings, such as in New England. The general populace's fears of witchcraft stemmed more from folklore than religion, although there were times when the two would intersect. The fact that the people of Virginia lived on farms and plantations that were spread far apart also contributed to this, and people didn't live in small towns where gossip and fear-mongering were more prevalent, such as in areas in New England. That's really interesting how, Mm -hmm. like, they had witch hunts too, but it was entirely different because of the makeup of the community. And because of the fact that there was no religious aspect to it. Like, there weren't actual, like, clergy on the as members of the jury or as members of the prosecution being like she's a witch like points to the episcopalians mm-hmm. does that bring religion into this we already know she's evil <laughs> yeah she wears pants she wears pants the authorities in williamsburg and princess anne were unwilling to classify and charge grace with the crime of witchcraft as they felt the evidence against her was too vague she was once again ordered to appear before the court on April 16th so the local courts could examine the case again, further inconveniencing Grace as the court seat was 16 miles or 26 kilometers away from her farm. And she was probably how old at this time? Because if her husband was 42 when he died, she's so it's 1706. She would have been 46. Yeah. So that's, I mean, after like a lifetime of farm work and hard labor and you're 46 and you have to take your horse or carriage or however you get there mm-hmm. 16 miles that's a long ways mm-hmm. it's not like you have multiple horsepower <laughs> like, yeah it's like you can just jump in your car and be like oh this is, and, this is in nothing 15 minutes yeah On May 2nd, it was decided that although there was no particular act of witchcraft that had been alleged against her, there was, in fact, quote, great cause of suspicion, end quote. Oh, great. Yeah, that's enforceable by courts. Yeah. And after this, she was held in custody at Princess Anne County. On July 5th, the court ordered that Grace be ducked to prove her innocence or guilt, but it had to be postponed due to ill weather. Is ducked the water thing, the floating thing? We've mentioned ducking or trial by Mm. water in the past. In this instance, Grace was tied up hand and feet, then put into a sack before being thrown into waist high water. Upon sinking, she would be labeled as innocent and be able to be buried in the church graveyard upon her death. If she floated, it was due to the fact that the water's purity was repelling her and her wickedness. So it doesn't matter, like, if, if you are... Given a trial by ducking, you're dead. It doesn't matter if you drown or not. Because if you if you float, you're a witch and you're going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like in this instance, their goal wasn't to drown her. Like they, they wouldn't let her drown. I don't know how they would prevent that. But 
Grace consented to the ducking test after the justices took several precautions to ensure her safety, since at this time, the practice of ducking had been outlawed in England. Oh, so they're not even listening to the mother country. Mm -hmm. Mama's not looking. Yeah. Prior to it taking place, Grace was forced to ask for forgiveness in the Lynn Haven Parish Church, to which she replied, quote, I be not a witch, I be a healer, end quote. At 10 a.m. on July 10th, 1706, she was rowed about 200 yards or roughly 183 meters into Lynn Haven River to the area that is now known as Witch Duck Bay, where she was ducked in front of a large crowd that had gathered from all corners of the colony. She floated, after which a sheriff tied a 13-pound or 5.9-kilo Bible around her neck in an effort to get her to sink, thereby proving her innocence. Once she was under the water, Grace was able to untie herself and swim to the surface of the water. Upon breaking the surface, it began to downpour, drenching the crowd of onlookers. So obviously, after her ducking, Grace was labeled as a witch. Yep, because she made it rain. Yep. Not in the fun way. More fun way. Yeah. <laughs> dollar bills, y'all. Although, although at the time, if she would have made it rain with money, it would have been like coins pelting you. So I think that that would have been way more unpleasant. <laughs> just get pelted with like hail, but it's shillings, and you're just like, ah, oh, god, ah, god. Me, oh, it's not worth it. <laughs> Getting beat up and blessed. Got the oysters. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm gonna have such a big corrections copy for that whatever it's hilarious the week before easter oh no it's fine there are court records that note a second trial was held against grace but there are no records of it that have survived as to like the particulars of the trial that makes sense she was called before the court once more in 1708 to pay a debt to Christopher Cook for 600 pounds or 270 kilograms of tobacco with no real listed reason why. And once again, in 1714, she appeared before the court to petition the secretary of the colony to release her land back into her custody after she was released from prison after serving seven years and after she had paid back her debts. So basically paid back the taxes that were owed on her land, as well as the court costs for having been housed in the jail. So everything's paid off and she's like, just give me my stuff back. Yep. After reclaiming her land, Grace stayed on the property and continued to farm it until she passed at the age of 80 in August or September of 1740. Her will was read on October 1st, 1740, noting that she left five shillings each, or about 50 pounds today, to her sons, James and Richard, and left everything else to her eldest son, John. Probably protocol at that point. Why do I feel like John was her youngest son? Now I got to look back. I love you the most. (laughs) So she should have given... It should have been noted that she gave five shillings each to Richard and John and James would have inherited the property because James was the oldest. That makes sense. Unless she was like, you were a bastard because you were (laughs) conceived before we got married. I don't know the particulars, but in my mind, it should have been James who was given the property because he was technically her eldest son. Mm. So interesting. Correcting myself before it goes in the cubby. (laughs) There are legends. Let's say when her son, we don't know which one, placed her body by the chimney, it was instantly whisked away. 
The only indication that she had been there and who may have taken her corpse was a cloven hoof print in the ashes by the still burning coals in the hearth. Joke on you. She went to Hogwarts. (laughs) (laughs) Another legend states that a gnarled ancient tree on the fairy plantation property or what used to be the home of the jail in which Grace was held Mm -hmm. attracts black cats and the ghost of Grace herself on every full moon. Her ghost has been reportedly seen near the plantation house and walking along the river. Interesting. She wearing pants? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say. I hope she yeah. was wearing pants. I hope so too. Because of the tales of black cats, local men near Pongo killed every cat they could find. Oh my God. This widespread slaughter is most likely the cause of the rat and mice infestation that was later recorded in Princess Anne County in 1743. You guys deserve that. Yeah, no shit. Residents near Witch Duck Bay also claim that every July, strange moving lights will appear over the water where Grace was thrown in. Historians believe that even as late as 1883, Grace was the only woman to be accused of witchcraft and tried by water in Virginia. Hmm. A writer in 1869, W.C. Elam, claimed that Grace was a negress which would mean the charges laid against her signified racial and religious intolerance. But I couldn't find anything that would back up that claim that she, that that was her race. I couldn't find anything. I I find that hard to believe. Yeah. But I mean, maybe. Maybe. The home on the land that Grace owned on the shores of Muddy Creek stood for over 200 years. Although it was burned by vandals several times in the 20th century, by 2002, all that remained were the brick chimneys which were eventually bulldozed in November of 2002. Hmm. The only signs that the house ever stood there to begin with are some bricks and a section of the foundation that has become overgrown. The land is now part of the Back Bay National Wildlife Refuge and owned by the federal government. Grace was finally exonerated by Governor Tim Kaine on July 10, 2006, on the 300th anniversary of her ducking. A statue has been made and dedicated to her memory in front of the Centara Bayside Hospital that shows her carrying a basket of rosemary with a raccoon by her feet, symbolizing her love of healing both men and animals. It's actually a really cute statue. I love that they chose a raccoon. Yeah. Maybe because cats would have been a little too... uh, On the nose. Yeah. A little too witchy. Yeah. The last honor of her memory was erected at the old Donation Episcopal Church, where she and her husband used to worship. A stone marker reads, quote, in memory of Grace White Sherwood, 1660 to 1740, healer of sick with herbs, convicted as a witch. She survived Virginia's only trial by ducking in the Lynnhaven River, July 10th, 1706. Name cleared by Governor 300 years later, end quote. And the marker is surrounded by rosemary. So I bet it smells fantastic. I bet. It just makes you want to eat afterwards. Oh, man. I love the smell of rosemary. Mm-hmm. As an aside, there are only 19 known cases of witchcraft trials taking place in Virginia Colony during the 17th century, and all but one of them ended in acquittal. <laughs> the one conviction was that of a man accused of witchcraft in 1656. He received 10 stripes, or that's also yep. whipping. Whippings. So yep. like he's, he received 10 lashings and was banished from the county. There were also no executions for witchcraft in Virginia. And the, wow. the trial by water was only done once in the trial of Grace Sherwood. 
The last trial for witchcraft in Virginia took place in 1802 in what is now present day West Virginia, where a couple accused a woman of being a witch with the suit thrown out and ruled as slander. Nice. And that is the tale of the witch of Pongo, Grace Sherwood. That actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. The fact that she was, she wasn't acquitted, but she was allowed to leave. Continue to live her life. Yeah. Her land back. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her sons would have been old enough to work the farm when she was gone. Because if she was 46, they would have been, would have been in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because at first I was like, the children. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. They're adults. <laughs> they don't need yep. a babysitter. <laughs> Yep. Hello, we are Being Nostalgic, the podcast where we break down 80s and 90s movies with deep dives. Roger Rabbit has this line that says, all we want to do is make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Now, do they have the knowledge that people die from laughing too much? Because I can read. <laughs> Does he want to murder everyone with laughter? <laughs> Hot takes. Yes, using Die Hard rules for all you Die Hard to Christmas movie people over there because it has a Christmas party. It came out in July, people. It's it's a proven fact now that Princess Bride is a Christmas movie because Santa Claus is a decoration in the background that makes multiple appearances behind Peter Falk. Boom! Christmas movie. And lots of laughs. So this week's podcast plug is Be Nostalgic, which is a TV and film podcast by husband and wife team Andrew and B, who discuss mm-hmm. popular movies in the 80s and 90s. Some of their most popular episodes include their coverage of The Goonies and Hook. Nice. To name a few. We also had Andrew on our show for an episode of Can You Crack the Cramp Word, which I'll link to in the show notes. So if you enjoyed Trips Down Memory Lane, I encourage you to give Be Nostalgic a listen. Awesome. And we will include a link to their podcast in the show notes as well. And this week's listener question comes from Alex and Christy of the Weird Distractions podcast. Okay. And they would like to know, what's one podcast collaboration you would love to make happen? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like think of these as really happening a lot. So hmm. do you want to go first? I'm like trying to think. I should have thought of this before we started recording. Because I knew what the question was. Yeah. Um, Honestly, if I could, I would love to do a story with Aaron Mankey from Lore. That's kind of what I was thinking. Right? Like, I think that's just because, like, it was was the first podcast that you and I connected on. Mm -hmm. And we've seen his live show twice now. Mm -hmm. And it would just be so cool to do something with his team. and. Yeah. Have the music and like actual, almost like cinematic, like podcast recording. That'd be really, that that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that will never happen. But if it ever did, that would be, that would be the one that I would want to have happen. Because he was, yeah, in some respect, a little bit of the inspiration of doing our podcast too. So. Yep. Yeah. That's funny that we have the same one. Yeah. I was like, that's the only one I could think of. Well, it's the only one that I gravitate to first, you know, like, of course you want to have, you'd love to do a podcast collaboration with your friends. Mm-hmm. like the other the other podcasts you know but like and like it you know it would be cool to do my favorite murder or and that's why we drink like that would be cool as well but we're so different mm-hmm. and in and, and that way too like i think we would be more of lore's kind of thing versus mm-hmm. yeah others. yeah it would be so cool it would oh well <laughs> never gonna happen <laughs> But if you're listening, make it happen. <laughs> right. Manifesting it now. But on my, what is it called? Uh, vision board. Yeah. That's my only entry on the vision board. <laughs> it's just a picture of Aaron Mankey. <laughs> like no context. <laughs> they're like, oh, oh, Lindsay, are you okay? Lindsay, what's wrong with you? All right. So what's something good you'd like to share this week? I got my first vaccine. Me too. Yep. And that's my good thing. I uh, I was next on the list of the rounds of people getting vaccinated and there was a cancellation and I went down and I got vaccinated and it feels very strange to be like halfway done. Mm-hmm. Also very exciting at the same time. And I'm also not going to like, as soon as I get the second vaccine, like burn all of my masks and like roam the streets pre-faced like an yeah. animal. Yeah. But same. Because I could still be a carrier and give it to other people who aren't vaccinated yet. Mm-hmm. So it can live in your nose for like two weeks or something insane like that. It's crazy. That just means just you have put, to like shave all your... Just in your nose. Just shave all your nose hairs and I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that'll fix it. You got nothing to hold on but to. It's fine. But yeah, that's my good thing. I was really... It provided relief that I didn't realize that I needed mm-hmm. like I just feel better knowing that I'm going to contribute to herd immunity soon in like another month mm-hmm. but I'm also going to take some time off for the second shot in preparation just in case because the second shot's usually where you start to feel any sort of symptoms so oh I should do that I should take some time off yeah you definitely should because I think even people who who don't really experience a lot are still like really tired or like get headaches. I've heard of people getting like headaches and chills. Yeah. I, I got mine on Wednesday mm-hmm. and the next day I took like almost a five hour nap yep. in the <laughs> afternoon. I was like wiped. I know. I, I, I had my vaccine on Monday and Tuesday. I made it. I barely made it through the work day. And then I like passed out. I got on my bed and I was out for like an hour and a half. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, I got to make dinner. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, it definitely made me sleepy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's your good thing too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I get my second one in three weeks. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we? We shall. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. We are also on YouTube. You can find us by searching for Yield Crime Podcast. We also have a P.O. Box. If you'd like to write us or for whatever reason, send us something, 
no trampolines because it's the tiniest P.O. box that <laughs> I could find. Send the trampoline. We will accept it. <laughs> Send us an IOU for a trampoline. We will find a way. You can write to us at Yield Crime Podcast, PO Box 341, Wyoming, Minnesota 55092. You can also email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com, which is an easy way that you can send us your reviews. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be the last day that we are accepting reviews for our giveaway. So all you have to do is leave us a review, send us a screenshot, and you're entered. Super simple. Pretty easy. We will announce the winner on social on April 1st. I'll probably Mm -hmm. do like a live video of the drawing just so everybody knows that it's legit. I'll make sure my Instagram's updated so I can participate as well. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not just staring at myself and talking to myself. That'd be great. Yeah, perfect. Speaking of reviews, here is a five-star review from Sabrina666. Ooh, so naughty. From the Apple Podcast. And she says, informative and hilarious. Lindsay and her sister are so hilarious together. And the way Lindsay tells the story is so incredible. It's easily becoming one of my favorite podcasts. Thanks. Awesome. You can also support us on Buy Me a Coffee if you want to leave us a one-time donation. Or you can join us on Patreon for as low as a dollar. And I want to give a special shout out to Trevor from the The Digressors podcast, who is our newest patron. So thank you, Trevor. Thank you so much, Trevor. (laughs) You can also support us by purchasing our merch on our Public store. And I don't know what the sales for April are yet. I'll probably find out after this episode comes out. So stay tuned. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. There's a new design with birds on it. That you should get. Yeah. With the the new four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> and by horsemen, I mean birds. <laughs> birds. <laughs> if you see this group of birds, uh, run. <laughs> run. Seek shelter immediately. <laughs> Don't worry. They'll make the tornado alarm noise for you with their terrifying mouths. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime.